The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There came a sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind. It filled their hearts with singing. Take your Bibles, Matthew chapter 27. Verses 1 and 2. Well, let's go, let's just do 1, 2, and 3. Preachers like to do things in threes. I don't know why. Probably in honor of the Holy Trinity. But we do things in threes. Uh, I begin to speak to my wife in outline form. Add a little poem at the end. But uh, Matthew 27, 1 through 3. I want to share with you a thought that I had as I meditated on the Bible. Let me tell you, reading the Bible, God continually speaks to you. In fact, in the uh, in our posting in, in, in the on campus here, ooh, on campus, um, we have D.L. Moody said, uh, when you read the Bible, God talks to you. When you pray, you talk to God. And he said, I think I'd let God talk to you a little bit more than you talk to him. And so when you read the Bible, he actually talks to you. I've read the Bible all these years, 40 plus years. And I was reading again through Matthew. And God, the Holy Spirit, whispered in my ear a little bit, as he so often does, and said, what about that? And I go, what about that? And I'm going to share it with you this morning. Matthew 27, when the morning was come, and all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. The Garden of Gethsemane is over. The soldiers have come of the priests, and they have, Judas has kissed him on the cheek already, betraying the Son of God with a kiss. What an irony. They have led him off. They have already abused him quite a bit up to this point. And in verse 2, and when they had bound him, him. I want you to underline, if you would, if you if you color, underline, or make note in your Bible or iPad or electronic Bible. And when they had bound him, that's what we're going to talk about. They led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. When I read this, it struck me, as I said. Imagine the disciples, uh, the 12 disciples, even, even Judas. Imagine their amazement as they watched this thing go down. He had already been praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. They were tired. They were weary. Have you ever been where you couldn't keep your eyes open besides during the sermon? I believe I could cure insomnia 
If you have trouble sleeping, I have a 400 sermons posted on the web. You can listen to them back to back, and I'll guarantee you will not make it through over one or two. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, would you, would you wait for me an hour? Would you, would you pray with me an hour? Unless you come in temptation, there's a lot there to be said. And he goes off about a stone's throw and falls on his face and prays. Three times he did that. They were sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. I've been that way. I have been where I literally could not keep my eyes open. I mean, there was, I, was like, I felt like I had been shot with a big old shot of morphine, and I just couldn't do it. I just was going to go. I was stupid tired, but yet I shouldn't have been. And it could be in the craziest places it'll hit you. Driving. Driving. Uh, it'll be in dangerous places. Uh, in, in the middle of chapel, about Jones, man. I mean, about Jones Jr., he'd call you out if you were sleeping. I remember him saying, hey, that kid in the yellow shirt. That, no, that kid, that kid in the yellow shirt. Hit him. In front of 6,000 people. Even Judas, even Judas was amazed, though he was not saved and did not have the Holy Spirit, he was deeply confused at what he saw happen in the arrest of Jesus Christ and the trial of Jesus Christ. He repented when he realized that Christ was not going to do anything about it. When he realized that Christ was going to allow himself to be killed, condemned, crucified, whatever, it's when he repented. And he went and threw the 30 pieces of silver and went out and com committed suicide. He could not believe as well as I believe the disciples could not believe that anybody could bind this man called Jesus that they had witnessed for over three years his activity. Not after they saw what they saw could they believe. And, were, and, and not only were they surprised, they were astonished that Jesus was bound. That phrase, and they bound him, got a hold of me, and they bound him. Why would it surprise anybody that Jesus was bound? Well, because of who he was. Mary, his mother, knew who he was. Now, you don't have to take your Bibles to all these. You that are not good at looking in the Bible, probably best you just listen to these because I'm going to run through a bunch of verses this morning, try to teaching something, and then put an application on the end of it. Luke chapter 1, verse 31, 35, is when the angel, that is, by the way, Gabriel, talking to her, here's what he says about Jesus, the one that was coming. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Now listen to what he says about him. He shall be great. And he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. Now right there, if he didn't say anything else, you knew nothing else about Jesus. That's big. When an angel, Gabriel, who is in the very presence of God, and not everybody evidently is in the very presence of the throne room of God, but Gabriel said, I am. And by the way, huh, when John the Baptist's daddy didn't believe him, he was uh, 
dumb. He couldn't speak until the birth because of the disrespect of, of the fact that you question Gabriel's word. And when Gabriel says, he shall be great, that's big. And he shall be the son of the highest, and he shall be a part, he shall have a he, given unto him as the, as the throne of his father David. But he didn't stop there. In, in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 33, it says, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob, and he uses these words, forever. And of the kingdom, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of thy eyes shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, and he continues to describe in the next sentence here, what this person is going to be, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. That was a phrase the Jew was very familiar with. That was deity. He's going to be God, deity. So Mary knew who he was from the very get-go. The shepherds that were outside of Bethlehem at the birth, they knew who Jesus was. According to Luke chapter 2, verse 11, a whole host of angels gathered around. And a lot of people say it's a misnomer to say that those angels were singing. They were not. In fact, I don't know, but at one place an angel was ever sang, most of the time they say. I think singing is reserved for you and me. They said in Luke 2.11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The word Lord there means Jehovah God. Christ Jehovah God. He's going to be born. And so they knew who he was. The wise men, when they came a few years later in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, they understood who he was, where they said in verse 2 there, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. A little later when they found him in verse 11, And they fell down, the Bible says, and they worshipped him when they had opened their treasures and they presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The demons knew who Jesus was in Mark chapter 1 verse 34. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils. Suffered not the devils to speak. Why? Because they knew him. But here's what they knew about him. In Mark chapter 5, verses 5 through 7, most of you know the story of the Gadarene maniac. And here's what this says. And always night and day he was in the mountains in the tombs, this crazy man, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? Why would the, even the demons be surprised that they bound him? Because they knew who he was. He was the Most High God. Luke 4.41, The devils also came out of many, crying out, saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. The demons have their theology right but they're not saved. You can have your theology right and not be saved. Because salvation is an act of the will 
and surrendering to Christ as your Lord and Savior and taking him. But they don't get that chance, even though they got their theology right. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew who he was, that he was a Christ. Satan, in the temptation of Matthew chapter 4, where he comes and Jesus has fasted some 40 days and 40 nights, and he's weak and he's hungry. And the devil, boy, isn't that like him? He'll come at you at your lowest moment. He'll come at you at your weakest time. He'll come at you when you've had some tragedy. And he'll come and begin to whisper in your ear. And he comes to Jesus. And most of you know the temptation there. He questioned Jesus, but he said, If thou be the Son of God. He knew who he was. The disciples knew who Jesus was. In Matthew 14, 32, you remember that they were in a storm and the ship was ready to sink. And he get, they said, Carest thou not that we perish? And he gets up there and says, Peace, be still. Bible says a great calm. Now, I've been out in the water. And let me say, that's really, that don't happen that way. But it did then. And here's what they said. And they said, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And after, think of the disciples after thousands and thousands and thousands of miraculous healing. And I don't mean like some of these a false faith, faith healers around, which always heal some internal thing, some unseen thing. The healings and miracles of Jesus Christ were clearly uh, testified in the Bible. They were miraculous to the place where unquestionable by everybody and every, even his enemies were able to examine his miracles and said, we've never seen anything like this. I mean, he put arms, I mean, he straightened out crippled people. He, he put eyes where there were none. He, he healed the deaf and the dumb that never had spoken. There were testimonies and, 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 and witnesses to this case that these were real deal. But he did thousands. The Bible said he'd come into a village. He'd heal all that were sick. He'd wipe the hospital out. If it was today, let's put it this way. He'd go to Lee Memorial up there, the old Lee Memorial up there on, on, uh, on 41, and he'd wipe the hospital and empty out. He'd run over to a health park and the hospital would empty out. He'd go to Gulf Coast and wipe, the hospital would empty out. He'd come down here to NCH on Immokalee Road, and he'd empty the hospital out. He'd go to NCH down there on 4th, 5th Avenue on Naples. He'd empty the place out. He'd run over to Cape Coral's hospital, empty the place out. That's what Jesus did. There was no little one miracle here, a couple miracles here, little thing. Maybe, maybe questionable, you know, is it internal, can't tell whether it's real or not, all that kind of stuff. It was a real deal that even his enemies, who would have loved Love to have proven him wrong could not prove him wrong. They had to say, this is God. Something's happening here. This is big. Imagine after seeing, the Bible says 5,000 men plus women and children. How many is that? 15,000 would be extremely conservative. He fed them a few fish and some bread, and they had 12 baskets left over, a basket for every disciple that doubted it. Here, take this home. Kind of like going to Cracker Barrel. Here, take this home with you. Here's an extra basket for you, just in case you didn't. And how about 4,000 plus women and children? That's got to be 12,000 minimum, minimum, minimum. There could have been up to 35, 40,000 people at those things. And he again, he did it again. The disciples were there. They handled the bread. They handled the fish. They passed it out. They had them set in groups. Listen to me. They were that. They knew who this man. They knew who Jesus was. After watching nature overcome, after watching him calm the sea, after watching him walk on the water, 
even after watching him raise the dead, and I mean the dead that were dead, not swooned, dead, dead. People, farm people know what dead is. Now you people probably don't. But farm people seen a lot of death. And they know dead. And and and, and the lips get black and, and, and the color changes and there's no movement. Yeah. And as, as one doctor in this room taught me, you touch the eye. If the eye doesn't react when you touch it, it's probably dead. They knew that they knew these people were dead, and Jesus came by and said, Arise. They get up, begin to speak. Glory to God. These disciples had seen all that. They knew it was true. There was no question. And when the folks came, when the old Pharisee, when the Pharisees, Sadducees, and, and Herodians and lawyers and scribes had hated him because they challenged him, they cha he challenged their whole life and their hypocrisy and their covetousness, the Bible says. He challenged them, and they sought ways, the Bible says, to destroy him. And finally, when Judas was betrayed him and said, look, I'll, I'll take you to where he is, and they said, okay, they got a bunch of guys with clubs and with staves and, and with, with spears and with swords, and they went up to him, and, and they said, well, Judas says, I'll, I'll identify him because I'll go to him and I'll kiss him, and that's the one you want to bind and hold fast. Judas, you remember what he did? The Bible says, and they bound him. And they bound him. By the way, Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew who he was. Matthew 26, verse 52 says, at that, at that arrest, put up again thy sword into thy place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Think, and this is one of my favorite statements of the whole Bible. Take your Bibles, please. Go to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 53 or write it down, or do something, Matthew 26, 53. This is one of my favorite verses of the whole Bible. Wants to make me just run around, take my shoes off, hit them together, and say, glory to God, hallelujah. He says, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray that my Father and he shall presently give me more, more than 12 legions of angels? Legion of angels, a legion, a Roman legion, was somewhere between 3,000 to 6,000 soldiers. 12 times 3,000. How do you like that? 12 times 6,000. It would have only taken one angel to wipe everybody out. But he says, you don't think my father can send 12 legions of angels? Jesus knew who he was. In John chapter 10, verse 17 to 18, he says, Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Was Jesus in control through that whole arrest and the whole trial and whole crucifixion and spitting and all of that? Was he in control through that whole thing? Or was he being out of control, taken in a place he didn't want to go? Verse 18, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. That's John 10, 18. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again, the commandment I have received of my Father at his trial. I like it when they, they came, but Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by thy living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus answered and said, Thou hast said. And that's in uh, chapter uh, 26 and verse 63 to 64, so you know where it's at. Thou hast said. What is that? That means, that's right. 
You say, you say I'm the Christ, the Son of God. The direct admission to those knowledgeable men of Scripture, I am. I am. And he said more than that. He said, hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. But you know, more than that, the scriptures that these people knew about knew who Jesus was. If you want to take your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, well known to the scribes, well known to the Pharisees, well known to the, even the Sadducees. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. Not a Mighty God, as some of the cults would want to say. The mighty God, the everlasting Father. Not a everlasting Father, but the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of the government and peace shall, shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, just a few chapters back. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. Now you say, well, that, what's that mean? Well, if you go to Matthew chapter 1, it's interpreted. Now there's no better interpretation of Scripture than when Scripture interprets Scripture. Isaiah 7, 14 says his name shall be called Emmanuel. But in, in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Theos with us. Who was he? Mary knew who he was. The shepherd boy knew who he was. The wise man knew who he, who he was. The demons knew who he was. The devil knew who he was. The angels, for sure, that gave the, the annunciation, the, the, the announcement to Mary knew who he was. The disciples who worked, who worked with him and walked with him for over three years, they knew who he was. The Bible, which predicted his coming, knew who he was. And Jesus knew who he was. And that's why it would have shocked them and surprised them that he was bound. And my conclusion to that is nobody was going to bind Jesus against his will. Did I prove it good enough? Nobody is going to bind Jesus against his will. Who could have bound Jesus is the question. Who is greater than Jesus? Who is stronger than he? The only thing that I know that the Bible testifies that could have bound Jesus Christ is his love for you. Now think about it. That's the only thing that bound Jesus Christ. He does not want you to die in your sins. He does not want you to pay for your sins. 
He does not want you to miss heaven. He does not want you to go to a place called hell prepared for the devil and his angels. He wants you to repent of your sins and place your faith in him who died, who was buried, and who rose again the third day. And he says, if you do this, you will receive the gift of eternal life. You will be born from above. You will be born again. The Spirit of God then will come in and God will make the Holy of Holies His dwelling with the blessed Holy Spirit. Know ye not that your bodies are the temples of God? That's what the Bible says. You say, I can't believe. Yes, you can. But you've got to believe like a little child. When I was a little child, my dad said all kinds of stuff. I did not understand most of what he said. It was too too big, too, it was over my head, amen? But I knew my dad, and I knew he wouldn't lie to me, and I knew he, he, he knew what he was talking about. I just had faith in my dad that he was what he said he was, and I placed my little, my little four, five, six, eight, ten-year-old faith in my dad that he's going to take care of me. That's the kind of faith you need to place in Jesus Christ. I remember years ago, we'd go ice fishing. That's where the lake freezes over, they drill holes through it, you take a little house out there. I remember at night, he'd come up to me about 8 o'clock at night, now here, what, what, any, what boy wouldn't say yes to this? Son, would you like to do homework or go fishing with me? It'd be, it'd be 10, 20 below, and he'd say, let's go fishing. Well, my mom would dress me up, but I don't care how well. Back then, they didn't have all this fancy dancy, uh, all and you know stuff to keep you warm. We just had wool and 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 whatever. We put on. She dressed me. I couldn't. I walk like this. I mean, literally, I had two, three pairs of pants on, and 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 he. I remember picking my little my little hand up, and my my dad always had these. Seemed like he was just big. Put my hand in his. And it was blowing snow, and it was dark, and it was extremely cold. And we'd walk about a half a mile out to the ice house. And that was the longest half mile I ever remember in my life. My nose got to where I thought it was going to fall off. I got cold to the bone. And my little hand, I remember my hand in his, and I wouldn't have let go of him for anything. That's the way I rely on God today. I just lifted my little hand up to God and said, save me. By your grace, I believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit revealed to me who he was and who he is. He was bound, yes he was. But he was bound because he permitted himself to be bound. He was bound by the love that he had for us. For he knew, had he not allowed himself to go through the, the, the binding and the brutality of the trial and eventual crucifixion, that there was no possibility for you and I to ever be reconciled to God. Why? There's no way for you to undo your bad stuff. I've done bad stuff. How many in here have done bad stuff? Rush, you were lying. I mean, come on. You've done bad stuff that nobody knows about but you. You think. You thought bad stuff. The Bible says, God judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, 
you, you know, you say, you may be a little self-righteous and say, well, I haven't murdered anybody. I, I, I haven't really stolen anything that I can remember. I, I haven't really cheated that, that, I, that I, I have a memory of. But, and you may start going through your list of self-righteousness, but then start getting into the thoughts and intents of the heart. What have you thought? What have you had intentions on that would be wicked? Sometimes I've thought some stuff that I just shuddered and said, no, no, that's wrong. That's just wrong. And I cry out like Paul in the seventh chapter of Romans. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Jesus Christ. He came to deliver you and to deliver me from the sin that does so easily beset us. He says of himself in John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man to lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5, 7 through 8 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure for a good man. Some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The best news ever came across the lips of a human being is Christ died for you. Yes, they bound him, but they only bound him because he submitted to it. Imagine with me for a moment, and I've kind of dwelled on this a little bit through a period of time. Imagine had them soldiers understood who he was. That'd be like, have you ever seen a lion in person? Ever seen a lion in person? This one big. They're a lot bigger than I imagine them to be. A lion's foot sometimes about this big around. His head is massive. His, his the tenacity, he's not afraid of anything. His personality is he's just not afraid of anything. He'll take anything, anything, he'll take an elephant on. He'll take something way bigger than him on. He has no fear. Imagine going up to a lion and pulling his mane, smacking him in the face, <laughs> spitting out, sorry about that, spitting on him. Calling his name, nah, 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 nah. torturing him. Oh, if the soldiers had the people who did all of that just had a glimpse of what they were doing and to whom they were doing it, they would have fallen on their faces. It's interesting the Roman soldiers, even eventually they crucified him, knew who he was. Truly, this man was the son. Oh, I'm sure they were confused that the Son of God would allow this type of a treatment and this type of a crucifixion because they did not understand that the sin that they had committed had to be paid for because back in the garden he said, God said to Adam, the day ye sin, ye shall surely die. There has to be death for sin. There has to be punishment for sin or God is not a just judge and he is a just judge. And he's not a respecter of persons so even though he loves you and does not want you to perish, because the Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, yet if you come before him at the great white throne judgment without having received Christ as your Savior in this opportunity called life, he will in his righteous justice 
cast you, the Bible says, in the lake of fire. Romans chapter, Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, 15. Which is the second death. You don't want that. You don't want to miss this opportunity this morning. To know Jesus as your Savior that loves you. Nobody's loved you like Jesus loves you. Your mom didn't love you like Jesus loves you. Your dad didn't love you like Jesus loves you. Nobody's loved you like Jesus loves you. Today, his love is being pronounced again out of the Word of God some 2,000 years later. Will you trust him as your Savior? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Notice it says Lord Jesus. Believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. Now, it's not an empty confession. It's not an intellectual confession he's talking about. Anybody can talk about Jesus. Anybody can say they know Jesus. But we're talking a birth. We're talking a life-changing experience. We're talking about a direction change. Not just, oh, I'm a Christian. It's $50. $50 fine, brother. Are you a Christian? I said it in, in uh, Sunday school class. I'll repeat it now. How many people come to me and say, I'm a Christian? We do our survey door to door. We'll say, if you die today, where you go? 90 plus percent of the people tell me they're going to heaven. Then the follow-up question is, why would you go to heaven? Well, I've tried to be a good person. I've tried to keep Ten Commandments. And always good works, good works, good works. Almost never I've trusted, personally trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Or they'll say I'm a Catholic or I'm a Lutheran or a Presbyterian. They trust in an institution, not a person. They trust in their good works, not a person. But you're not going to heaven unless you trust in a person. Based on the authority of the Word of God, you're not trusting. If you trust in anything but Jesus Christ and Him alone, and I like what old Martin Luther said, it's Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. And that's what it is. And that's why Martin Luther, as a, as a Roman Catholic monk, took, uh, took offense to what the Catholics were teaching and challenged the whole Catholic Church of his time. And the Reformation was started where people began to get saved as they Rather, not through some communion, not through some work, not through some penance, but through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Are you saved today? You know Christ. Man, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't work for it. You must receive it as a gift. How do you receive a gift? You just lift your hand out. I'll take it. People say to me all the time, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. It's like, as I said this morning, if I told you I was a bass fisherman, Brother, Brother Corey, I'm a bass fisherman. And you said, well, Brother Bill, you own a boat. And I'd say, no, I, I don't own a boat. And we say, Brother Bill, have you ever gone out fishing? And I said, well, no, I've never gone out fishing. We'll say, Brother Bill, do you have fishing rods? No, I don't have a fishing rod. Well, I actually, I'm sorry, I own one. It's at my table in my living room, but I, I actually don't use it. 
you'd look at me and say, you ain't a bass fisherman. How could you be a bass fisherman never go fishing? How could you be a bass fisherman not own a boat or, or go in a boat? How could you be a bass fisherman? Have you ever caught a bass, Bill? No, I never caught a bass. That's a ridiculous, ludicrous answer that so many people give. Are you a Christian? Yeah. I was born, I went to church once or twice, I took communion, I ate a few things, I'm a Christian. Being a born-again Christian changes your life. It changes your direction. It changes your value system. You get a hunger for God. That's what being born again means. That doesn't fit you. Don't leave here without Jesus. Father, help us this morning. Give us wisdom. Anoint us. Explain it better than I have. In Jesus' name, amen.